Hey everybody, it's Kat, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Backstory Sessions. We are at episode 19. Wow. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah, well, I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Matt. Hello, everyone. How are you? Yeah, we're, I mean, 19. That is it's so amazing in many ways. Um just I think that we're almost to 20 and um yeah if I, I don't know if I wasn't such a slacker we'd be at 50 but you know <laughs> <laughs> it is like mostly your fault but you know <laughs> I, I take full responsibility for that one uh, I think it, it's quality not quantity and um we have both um, because we're at 19 and we have a great guest today so I think that's a wonderful cue um, to introduce our first guest, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about why we have um, chosen Chris and why we're doing this episode. But we have Chris Bishop today. We want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions, Chris. Thank you. Hello, Kat. Hello, Matt. Hello. How you doing? I'm doing uh, good. <laughs> Chris is a playwright and a really great one at that. I'm, I met him last year at KTA. Uh, I did too. The blue... <laughs> yeah, well, and and so that's what this episode is. Um, the, kind of the backstory is that um, you know, Roots of the Bluegrass. I entered that contest uh, many years ago. Uh, this is its eleventh year, and when it first began, I entered it as a playwright, and um, never thought that eventually I'd be coordinating it. But that's what I'm doing. And it's a great contest, and it was so important to me early on when I was writing plays just to have that outlet or that place that you could send something that you wrote. So, um, you know, our backstory then um, is like I met Matt um, through writing a story, uh, a play about him and interviewing him. So we thought it would be a great idea to uh, write some plays. Uh, together and we've continued to do that so Matt is a playwright and he's also entered Roots of the Bluegrass and um, was successful in winning um, and so we thought this would be a great episode to bring some playwrights together and get to you know finally talk about writing which is an exciting thing for for many of us so Chris Bishop let's start with um, you know what is it about playwriting that draws you into it well um i've always enjoyed writing period but when i tried to write stories and stuff i got bogged down in the descriptive nature of it um and uh just recently i decided to take a hand at playwriting because it's mostly dialogue and I seem to have found my niche there. <laughs> you know, I am so glad that you said that because to, that is so similar to to my experience with writing. Like mm -hmm. describing trees and, you know, all this stuff you have to do uh, in right. your prose is like, I don't know, so difficult for me because I really don't care. Like, I just want to say it's a tree and go on. But, you know, <laughs> people, you know, some people like can, they can write 
five pages <laughs> describing a tree. The crisp um, autumn air. <laughs> yeah. So dialogue is. I love dialogue. Are you a people watcher by chance? Oh yes. Yeah. So I, I love to just sit. If I, if I've got the time, just sit and watch people and their little idiosyncrasies and just observing them and seeing how they react to the world around them, basically. Yeah, and I, I mean, I to me, I, I think that's the kind of skills or interest that translates into creating characters for plays. Is, right. Um, people are so, you know, I mean, there's a story, everybody has a story, and um, just watching people, you know, I just love to, like, guess what their story is. If I don't yep. know. So, um, what was the first thing that you wrote as a play when you started transitioning your writing style? Well, the first thing I wrote was At the Edge of the Light, which um, I found out last year that it finished in the top five, I believe. It was a one act. Okay. And that was the first thing that I wrote as a play that um, I considered a complete work. <laughs> okay. I had a few that I had, shorter plays that I had started and ne never really got off the ground. They're still there waiting for that inspiration to hit to finish them. But um, that was the first one I wrote. And then after that, um, I found... Um, Gate expectations. Yes, I remember and that very well. That's the one that was in the top three last year, and it was—I was very proud of it. Oh, it was so. great. I did you? I mean, we both talked about this that play and and how much we really loved it. Yeah, right. It it, it was definitely a good one. I, I enjoyed well, it. Thank you. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I, I very heartfelt. <laughs> yeah, um, could you like tell the listeners a little bit about the play and uh, what it's about, and and also what inspired it? Well, um, it's basically about a man who uh, finds himself at the gates of heaven, and uh, he doesn't understand why he would be there, and he's not really sure he wants to be there. He's uh, angry at God, and uh, through the course of speaking with the gatekeeper, who we find out later is actually God, um, we find out why he's so angry, and um, then at the end, I mean, his arc is he's angry, but at the end, you realize he's still also full of hope. Right. And I think it's uh, a very telling play. I really, I I liked that ending. Um, did you did you struggle with how you were going to end it, or did you always know that that was the ending you were going to work towards? Well, I knew basically what the ending was going to be, but the way it came about was through a few rewrites because I had tried uh, a couple of different renditions of it and through 
kind of workshopping it with a group that I work with up here, one of my uh, theater groups. We workshopped it a little, and uh, I got to hear it read a few times. And um, then I came up with the ending, and I just thought it fit. Yeah. I, I he's think he's really still good. angry, but you find out that he's still full of hope also. So what inspired this play? Like, how'd you come up with the idea? Well, the inspiration was because I was pretty angry um, at God okay. about uh, things that happened in my life. And uh, it comes out through the, a lot of it comes out through the main character, JJ, in that. Um, he's gay and he struggled with it all his life. And when he finally came to the realization that no matter how hard he prayed or whatever, what he did, it wasn't going to change. He became angry at God because, well, your God didn't answer his prayer or the answer was no. And it took most of his life to come to that realization. So he was pretty angry about it. And then, of course, he's angry about a lot of the other things that's happening in the world. Um, the hate that's in the world and how that could, God could let that continue. So. <laughs> did you, did you find that people, um, when they were doing the workshop of it, um, did anyone comment on like experiences that they might could relate to that play? Oh yeah. Um, a few people, well, mo from the get go, they really liked it. And, uh, that in kept me inspired to work it and, uh, make it even better. And the, they really enjoyed the, I guess, the arc of it, the way that it's still, even in all the anger, there was still such a message of hope in it. And that's what they really liked about it, I think. Sure. Did yeah, that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think it does. Um, okay. I, I think that it um, has a lot of possibility for reaching out to people um, that feel anger, um, you know, whether it's at God or whatever. Right. You. And part of the reason I wanted to write this was to show people that it's okay to be angry at God. I mean, you you have to be able to express that anger as well as what love you have for Him. I mean. That was my idea behind part of the idea behind it. Also, it's okay yeah. to be angry. <laughs> because do you find that you know, so like in some ways, it seems implied almost that you know it would be really bad if you were ever angry at God because you know He's God. Um, but right. but at the same time, like any relationship you should, I mean, you're going to like sometimes be happy and sometimes not so happy with. Exactly. 
and your relationship with everyone has a relationship with God, whether it's a loving relationship, a hateful relationship, or an angry one. And in any relationship, you go through those periods where you may not like someone or you can be angry at someone and still love them. Yes. Yes. And I wanted to express that you're, it's okay to be angry at God and still be able to love him. So um, throughout the writing process, did you find yourself um, like the message being written almost to you in some ways as well as an audience? Oh, yes. It was very, I want to say, therapeutic for me because it allowed me to express those feelings that I had and put them onto a character. And then I learned from that character because when I first wrote it, I didn't write it as a message of hope. It just evolved that way because my own anger is what I was interested in getting out. But through that process, I found out that I still had that hope inside me also. Aww. So. I love stories like that. I, I love hearing that, that that's how, you know, that it evolved into something more than you, um, than you imagined and that the lesson then becomes one that, that you needed, even though you didn't realize that. Right. Um, so... After that, and you found out that you were a finalist, um, you you go to the reading, and I'm sure, how do you feel, you know, seeing it read, and I know you'd had the workshop with it, but, you know, how does it feel to be recognized in the state for your um, writing skills? I was nearly brought to tears that night, hearing it read. And I learned even more about <laughs> what I had written from the uh, reading that they did. I, I learned some that it was there was humor in it. And uh, it just <laughs> it, 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 it still I, I don't know. I just I was so moved by it and hearing it. Yeah, I, I think I think everybody in the audience was moved at the the reading of it. It was so powerful. It really was. And well, the actors did a wonderful job with it. I could not have been happier. And, and that's you know so amazing too. How you know it's it's everything for people that are not so familiar with how it works. I mean, it's such right. a process because. You know, the contest barely ends, and then there's just a couple of weeks to get every the cuttings and, and the, the readers and all that together. And um, for it, to, I just thought it was it was a really beautiful performance. And um, I, I can only imagine how you must have felt knowing that you um, created that and, and the actors, you know, had their vision. Um, and I'm sure, did did you see something like more than than you had seen before? Just just because the actors, the way they portray characters or said lines. Absolutely, 
one of the biggest things I got from it was that um, I had written the God character when in the description I said male or female, but all the pronouns were male and it was a female doing the reading for God and they left the pronouns the sa same. And when she came to that, she emphasized them to a point that made it somewhat humorous. And I thought there's no need to change the pronouns regardless because because of her reading of it, the way she emphasized it for kind of like humor, it, right. it worked. Yeah. That's, that was the biggest thing I learned from it because <laughs> I didn't have to change pronouns or anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, so what... Um what kind of feedback did you get from um, the audience and, and people in attendance either in the, you know, in the, in the talk back or um, afterwards? Well, um, almost, I think every one of the actors came up to me and told me how much they loved it. The um, lady who directed it asked me if she could use it in her teaching. She was a, a teacher and uh as an example in her teaching i can't remember what oh, she teaches wow. but i was so flattered by that and i said certainly absolutely please feel free and uh that was probably the biggest compliment i got and everyone that did come up to me afterwards told me how much they loved it including you Kat. <laughs> yes, and, and I so, continue to, to love that play. Well, I have to say it was my first, it was the first time one of my plays had been recognized to that point. And it was very, like I said, it was very humbling. And, well, is it also motivating, I imagine? Oh, yes. So, oh, yeah. did you tackle <laughs> next? Well, I've written a couple short, couple more short plays since then, and um, one of them was performed recently uh, through Village Players. But with the pandemic and everything, it's been hard to get anything up. But they've performed it and recorded the performance and put it online, and that was called. Um, oh shoot, I'm going to go blank here. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? My own word. <laughs> oh, it'll come to me. <laughs> but I also wrote the one that I submitted for Roots the Bluegrass called Falling. And I'm really proud of that one also. So um, for everyone listening, um, the awards ceremony was last night. And... Oh, it was. I missed it. I'm sorry. It was no. last night. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening to this podcast you'll be hearing it after the actual oh. event so oops i forgot <laughs> that's fine <laughs> she threw me when oh, she said that too <laughs> i was like yeah, wait don't... a minute <laughs> did i miss it too <laughs> oh my goodness cat you're supposed well. to tell me about these things <laughs> 
Right. Oh, so, um, if you're listening, you you can always um, go to the Facebook page of Kentucky Theater Association, and uh, you'll be able if you missed watching it um, live, you'll you'll be able to tune in and and see. Um, the cuttings of the plays that were read and also um, the finalists and who made the top five and um, Chris Bishop was one of those and so you'll be able to to see his his photo and also the title of his play um, so um, for competitions you know how how does that feel like uh, what's it like when you send the play off and then you have to wait um, for the outcome? The waiting is always the hardest part, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. as I'm sure you know. But it's yeah. it's similar, I think, to um, performing when you audition for a play and then you have to wait for the cast list to be posted or to hear from them as to whether you got the part or not. Sure. There's always that um, Anticipation. anxiousness. Yeah. The trouble is with casting a play, when you audition to be in a play, you usually find out a lot quicker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It usually takes a little longer when you submit a play for review because I know they have so many to get through. And uh, so it doesn't, the waiting's still hard. But when you do finally get that email or that phone call saying, hey, your play has made it this far, then it's just like, wow, such a so gratifying. Do you find because this is what I I found in entering, you know, of course, obviously, I, I did not win every year. Uh, I didn't win any years. So, um, <laughs> I, I made it to the finals, but I never right the winner of the play competition for Roots of the Bluegrass. And, um, you know, there would be years that um, I, I was so attached to a play that I'd written. You know, I just I just felt certain, like, you know, this is going to be the one. Yeah. Uh, and then it might, it might not even make the finals. And then there might be another play that I was less attached to um, that did make the finals because right. – for me, there are certain plays that are so, like, attached to me, or I'm so attached to that work. Not every play that I write do I have that attachment to. But there are some that are just special for whatever reason. And I just wondered if, um, you know, do you are you attached to everyone that you write? or um, Not necessarily. I'm definitely attached to Gate Expectations. And um, I'm not always as emotionally attached, let's say. Right. I'm attached to them, but not always as emotionally attached. Uh, With Falling, I'm pretty attached to it because the inspiration for that was my mother and her sister. And uh, I, uh, my aunt, she is older and she falls a lot now. And I just had this idea in my head about two women, sisters, living together that are up there in years. And uh, what would happen if they both fell and uh, couldn't get up? 
Wow. And, and that's and, basically the premise of falling. That's they have both fallen and uh, one fell and then the other one fell trying to get to her to help her. So it's almost comical. And it goes back to the old commercial, I've fallen and I can't get up. Right. <laughs> Excuse me. And then through the course of their conversation, a lifelong secrets revealed and uh, then we have to find out at the end whether their love survives I mean this secret so oh wow now you know I I, I just really want to read that because you make that makes that's really intriguing and um, the backstory of that is very interesting did you share it with um, you know with, with your family I, uh, as much as I hate to say it, it's not very. Are you there? Very. You don't. Cat, are you there? I, I'm here. Chris. No, Chris oh. faded out. Oh. Oh, you're back. Okay. <laughs> no, that's fine. Can you uh, yeah. just repeat the, that last answer? I'll edit out the part where we lost oh, okay. it. Well, uh, my family's not very supportive of my theatrical endeavors. Okay. They, well... they haven't been to any of my shows and uh, that I've performed in, and they're not very interested in actually reading plays that I know of and they've never expressed an interest. I've told them about them and what they're about, but yeah, I, well, I sort of have a similar situation. I mean, my family knows that like I've written plays and things like that, but I haven't shown a great amount of interest in it. So I don't know if it's a, you know, just like, Oh, you're doing that. Oh, that's a nice, <laughs> I don't know what the right. I don't know what the uh, dynamic is there, but so you're not well, alone in that one. <laughs> I, I I understand that, and uh, it's not necessarily a fault to them. It's just their it, theater's not their yeah thing. Yeah, that's true. So <clears throat> so I I'm curious. I, I know you've written a, a few different things, and. Um, uh, there seems to be a theme that's going through all of our uh, interviews that we're doing for this podcast. And uh, that seems to be like working with other people. And I was curious if you have or if you have plans to do that anytime soon. As far as co-writing something yeah. maybe? Yeah. Well, um, I have a very close friend that uh, he writes also. And uh, matter of fact, it was he's almost what inspired me to make a go at it way back when. And uh, we we bounce things off each other, but we haven't sat down and written anything together. Yeah, I, that's something that could happen. Okay, I won't rule it out. Yeah, some people don't like to give up the control over you know, their creative process and stuff, because it is a different dynamic uh, writing, right. writing by yourself versus with someone. So I was just curious because, uh, you know, other people that we've talked to have, you know, 
either worked with someone or not. I don't remember what the what the percentage was, but um, yeah, it was just it's just an interesting thing that kind of crossed my mind. Yeah. The other thing I'm curious about is, uh, as a writer, what do you struggle with the most in the writing process? Well, my goal when I write dialogue is to make it sound believable. Right. I like writing the way people actually talk because it's not, um, it's not really stylized or anything like that. People don't normally, <laughs> I like writing in their language. Right. So as if... opposed to making it sound good or anything like that with the contractions and with the, um, the cutoff words and stuff like that. Right. I, I like making the, having the people speak like they do in my head. And so when you see them or hear them on stage, that it sounds realistic. Mm -hmm. I'm a very, I'm very much a realist with my work for the most part. I've, I haven't really dabbled too much in the, uh, in anything uh, abstract. Right. Although I have some ideas that <laughs> might mean that way. It's just a matter of uh, getting into that frame of mind, you know. Right, yeah. So uh, I think what you're saying is you, you try and write, like if someone is, let's say you have a character that's from New York, you would try and like weave that sort of accent into the character absolutely yeah okay absolutely yeah that and that's is... like a southern person i mean they're not gonna say you all they're gonna say y'all right yeah and <laughs> stuff like that <laughs> it's a little bit hard but... for me because i come from the other way you know where i uh-huh i'm from new york and uh you know sort of transplanted here so the way that people talk here is a little bit different than what i'm used to <laughs> so um, yep their but, inflection and everything, yes. Right, yeah. So writing dialogue is a challenge, I think. It can be. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. But that's my biggest uh, thing I try to do is make it, what they're saying sound realistic and the responses they get and so on. Do you find that um, painting a picture with just dialogue is more di more difficult than actually writing, you know, a paragraph about like the color of a tree or something like that. Um, I'm not sure I understand the question. Uh, so it like with a play, it's all dialogue. So you have to sort of right. paint, you you have to sort of paint a picture of what's going on in the oh. scene through the dialogue. Well, I uh, I love giving, I don't do a lot of stage direction or anything like that, mm -hmm. but I do like to paint an overall picture with the dialogue. Yeah. Um, when I wrote At the Edge of the Light, it's a very light-intensive show. It's very tech, and the lighting plays a very, very important role almost as much as a character right. in the show because um, it's called at the edge of the light 
and there are lighting effects that need to be added in to give the effect that I want. But most of the stuff I write's not that dependent upon the picture. Right. Okay. If I, that makes sense. Yeah, I was just curious. I mean, that's something that I like. I find it hard to, uh, I guess, give people a sense of what what the setting is and where you know. Right. Like that. Well, a lot thing. of what I write, the short plays I write, I, I try to make them as that minimal as possible that's like with falling one of my biggest concerns was being a actor also I, I you've got two ladies on stage and both of them are laying right. down yeah and how is that going to look and then <laughs> you have to think uh will the audience be able to see both of them and right. uh should they should i put a note in there that the they need a platform or something like that but the way I've written it, I, I think I even I might have in the stage directions that one's downstage, one's upstage, right. one's left, one's right. But um, to minimize or to make it more of a black box type setting mm -hmm. so that you don't need all the um, accoutrements that go with a major play, the set and whatnot. Yeah. Because I don't think that people just watching plays, they probably don't think about really all the things that a playwright has to consider. Right. I mean, it's more than just writing the dialogue. You have to be conscious of, you know, how it's going to look on stage. And like you said, are, are they going to be able to be seen if they're, you yep. know, um, just all kinds of things that that you don't think about the technical side of it, um, you know. Right. And that's I, like if you have a character that flies, I mean, that's hard to do on stage, <laughs> especially <laughs> for a small right. theater group or something exactly. like that, you know. Yeah. So you can't get too fantastical with it. <laughs> or if you do, you, it depends. I mean, you can. It's just it's not going to play it may not play as well right you may limit the audience the the theaters that will even consider performing it exactly yeah so yeah, exactly. so yeah. what's next for you chris what do you see in your future and writing well i'm uh currently working on a new one called cookies and i'm uh it's with i don't it's set in a dystopian future, not too far off from now, that I uh, envisioned where things... Uh, I, I, I don't even know how to really describe it, but uh, basically a character, it's a family, the mother, father, and the young boy... Uh, finds himself in trouble with the law and then he finds out through the course of the play that he was betrayed and the um, twist is that it was his own mother who betrayed him hmm. interesting because of her religious and political beliefs and whatnot wow so is that gonna be a full length um... no actually i've got it as a 10 minute right now Okay. As a short play, so you may 
it may be end up in the running next year. We'll see. <laughs> um, well, that that reminds me. Um, you know, do you ever? There's a like trade a ten minute play every Tuesday. Have you participated in that? I have not. A friend of mine, matter of fact, the friend that I mentioned, he has uh, mentioned that to me also. I'm just, uh, I, I'm, my writing is sporadic a, a lot. I have to be, I, I, the, for lack of a better way to put it, I have to be in the mood. Right. I, I totally, <laughs> I can totally relate to that. I've, I've had all this downtime because of the coronavirus, and I thought, oh, I've got so much time to write, but I, have, I wasn't inspired to do it. Sure. And uh, it's just recently that I've gotten that spark going again with my recent play, Cookies, and it's uh, still a work in pro- progress. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's, it's sad when you don't have the time available the inspiration's like always there. And then when you do have the time available, it's like, where's my inspiration now? Yeah, I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> I'm going to get started on that tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There's always something. There's always tomorrow. Yeah. So, Chris, uh, what advice would you give to people out there that maybe, you know, think they might have a gift for playwriting but they're just hesitant to try it um what would you say to them i would say write it down go ahead and just write it down and i think what's really helpful is if you have someone or the helpful thing is to hear it read even if it's just friends they don't have to be actors just have people have some friends get together and read it while you listen, because you learn so much by hearing it after you've written something, y- you hear where it works and where it doesn't work. Right. But the key is go ahead and write it down, get it all out there. Um, if there's a lot of stage direction, write it down. You can always go back and take it, put in or take out stuff. So, but dialogue, just write it, write what's in your heart. And then when you go back, you can uh, adjust it. And so, I mean, if, if a person follows his advice and, and they do that and, um, and the play, you know, maybe, maybe it sucks. Um, I mean, do you think it's important to have like, um, do you think you'll just know, like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe I'm better at novels or poetry or. Um... Well, I, I do. I think uh, if you don't succeed in one genre, try a short story. If sure. that works and you found your niche, there are so many different ways to write. There's poetry. I've written some poems, I mean, throughout the course of my life. And uh, they're not things that I've shared much, <laughs> but I wrote them down. Right. And I think that's the key right there. The first step is to write it down, whatever format you choose. If one doesn't work for you, try another one. And if that doesn't work, go to another one. Uh, there are many options available. 
Well, uh, I have so much enjoyed having you on the podcast today and talking about writing. I hope that, you know, something um, inspirational uh, will we'll come to all of us as a result of just talking about writing. Uh, I, I think we don't get to do that often enough. Um, right. You know, just get with other writers and be able to talk about what makes it work for us sometimes and other times not. So um, I've really been inspired by your backstories and, you know, um, just by your work. I've I've been wanting to talk with you and do this interview for a long time, and I'm so glad we could finally make it happen. Well, I'm flattered that you asked me. Well, it's been my pleasure for sure. And Matt, you you have any last questions? Um, No, I think we're going to... wind this down but chris i really want to thank you for coming and uh talking with us i appreciate your insights and uh everything that you shared with us and um it 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 was a really good uh introduction to you and your work and uh you know it's inspiring to listen to the things that you talk about so i really appreciate it well I, I thank you again for having me on the show. It's, like I said, I'm flattered and honored. Well, it's our honor, too. But thank you again. <laughs> thank uh, you. Hey, everybody. It's Kat, and I want to welcome you to another episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hello, everyone. How you doing? Uh, and we have an exciting um, guest today, actually. Uh, we're going to have several guests, uh, um, and they're all playwrights. So um, that's really exciting, Matt, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to this one. This is, uh, what, episode 18 now, I think? It is 18. So, wow, we're getting up 18 there. 18 in life, you know. That's, yeah. That's what's in my mind. <laughs> Um, So we start each episode um, with a backstory of how the episode came to be. And um, this one's pretty apparent. Obviously, you know, we also are playwrights. um, But um, specifically for this one, um, Kentucky Theater Association, or KTA, they sponsor a playwriting contest annually called Roots of the Bluegrass. And so all of our guests are... um, playwrights that have entered that contest and um we want to just talk to them today about how they got into playwriting and um you know a little bit about their play just um, some advice that they may have for people that are thinking of writing a play and certainly you know the backstory of that from Matt and I is that that's kind of how we met is um in writing the play about his life and I've entered um, KTA, and uh, Matt also has entered KTA and actually was the winner of Full Length last year. And um, so that's kind of the backstory of what makes think like, you know, let's um, let's talk to some other playwrights because it's something we don't really get to do all that much, right? That's true. You and uh, our first guest, uh, I believe you entered and won one year. Is that true? Yes. So let me introduce 
Michael Radford. Hey, Michael. Hey, Kat, Matt. Hey. How are you guys? Hey, Michael. How are you doing? All right. I'm so happy to have you on here. So, uh, yes, um, definitely I've got a connection with Michael. Uh, we co-wrote a play called Boxes, and um, it actually was a finalist in KTA and the Roots of the Bluegrass, and we were really excited. We went to Bowling Green to, uh, you know, see the cutting of that performed, and uh, it was, a, you know, quite an honor, don't you think, Michael? Oh, it was it was awesome. Uh, still have to sort of pinch myself. Oh yeah, that, we, we we did this. We really did it. And and I guess the way we wrote it is a little bit interesting too. In the fact that we don't live, we probably live what six hours apart, four hours apart. Yes, yes, yeah. we do. Yeah, and we never saw each other during the whole writing. Act. So that in its and we didn't do Zoom either. So that was interesting <laughs> in itself. Yeah, we're old school. Like we were, yeah. you know, for like, uh, how long has it been? I don't even know the year now. Um, 14, 15, oh, oh, was it even before then? Yeah, it's, it's been some time. So definitely, you know, we were not Zooming or anything like that. Yeah. And, um, you know, so how, how was the process of co-writing for you? For us, it just seemed to just go. I don't know if it would be with other other people or not, but um, we got the general. I, I, well, you had the general idea, I think. Ironically, I think we were both going through similar circumstances back then, parent-wise. Yes. So that made it just start flowing out. Um, and I believe I wrote the first few lines. I'm not sure. Um, and and you know, we just went from there. Um, and yeah, I do. I do think the impact of our parents uh, at that time. My parents were moving out of their home they had lived in, you know, for fifty plus years, and um, you, your mom was also moving, right? From yes, some, yes she, from she was Somerset, in the process of moving. Yes, so so we were both going through that, not right. to the degree of, of the story, but but to a certain degree. So a lot of those things happened, maybe not as. <laughs> The same respect, but 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 they did happen, uh, and it, it was just weird. And and you would have an idea, oh, and, and you would say something about it, like, oh crap, you know, same thing happened here. So we were, and to and to go and pick out a line that I wrote in the play, I'm not sure I could, because I don't know what you wrote, what I wrote, because it blended, it, it literally just blended up again. Yeah, I, I do think that was unique that, um, you know, I, I don't think people would be able, even though we write, uh, you know, quite a bit different, I think, uh, individually, but together when we were writing, I'm, I'm not sure that people would be able to pick out which lines um, that you wrote or no. which ones that I did. It, it really was a, a good blend, I think. And we ended up naming... Um, the characters is kind of interesting, I think. Um, like uh, my dad, uh, so Bob was what you know the, the dad character in this play, and then your mom Betty. Um, we used her name for the mom, um, so it's Bob and Betty. And then um, for the siblings, <laughs> we ended up using our own names. So um, you know, I thought that made it a little. Um, a little more special too, just because we had those names in the play, even though the characters are, you know, probably quite a bit different than all of us. But 
Um, I, I think so, but but enough similarity that it it, it, it it did hit home, and it made I think the lining a little easier. Um, Definitely, so we, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think and I think we also wrote the ending way early, um, because we got this idea that let's write the ending, and we did weeks ahead of writing the middle. Um, we rewrote it, I think, eighteen times, but still, <laughs> the, but the initial ending we wrote way in the beginning. So that was interesting too, which usually don't do that. It just happened. Oh, this is where we want to end. And so we did that and then worked up to that. So. Well, and Michael, if you could like give a little background for everyone <laughs> of, of how we even, you know, met to, um, to even end up writing together. Um, at the time we were both teaching, uh, I, I, I again, we were four, four hours apart or so. Um, and that we we went to Somerset, which I go to, to the community college there years years and years ago, and I, I was I was uh, sponsoring the drama club, and and we went there for the competition, and um, um, I don't even remember what year, but I got an invitation in the mail, and the kids says, hey, let's go, let's go do this, and it became a tradition we did for years and years, and I I think it was the very first time we went. Our kids met your, some of your guys' right. kids, and, and we, we just started talking, and um, and then it, it just sort of grew from that. And it, we were so opposite as far as our students, our student body. I mean, you, you guys were from, you know, a very rural area. We were almost, you know, uh, inner city, if, if, right. kid-wise, and, but they bonded. They just you know, really took it off. Did. And so, it yeah, it, it, it was weird because, and still, I will see some of these students, and I've been, you know, I've been retired for years now, but they'll see those, hey, you remember those kids, you know, because you guys just bonded and, and started, you know, some of them started conversing back and forth on, on email and stuff. And so, uh, and I guess for us, it was just, hey, you know, you know, and, and then I was interested in, in uh, some of the plays you did, and we actually performed the, uh, um, a couple, of, at least one of your, your plays we did at, with our with our kids, so um, it just became um, just a working relationship, even though we were a long distance kind of thing, um, and just sort of sort of grew uh, a, a general interest. Right, we both have November birthdays. Don't forget that. Uh, uh, yeah, our birthdays are, are really close together. Uh, <laughs> It, it was just, you know, we both talked. We right. we both were, I think, very non-conventional teachers, uh, you know, in, in the sense of, you know, the, the thing. Um, so, yeah, and, and um, I don't know, it just, and, and, to, and, and to actually start co-writing, you know, but we've done several pieces together. No, no, nothing in successful boxes, but we have done several pieces together. Um, so... It, yeah, that's it, true. Um, we, you know, we can we made it kind of a goal, I guess, that we would. And Roots of the Bluegrass is pretty much, I think, responsible for that. Um, you know, yes. each year we would kind of get together to write, yes. you know, an entry. We would say we're we're gonna, you know, co-write an entry. Yeah. So we, I don't even know how many we have written together now. Um, I, I think there's at least five, maybe seven. I, I don't know. Um, but um, 
Yeah, boxes, boxes will not success. I think just because of the subject matter and all that. Not that the other pieces are not probably just just as good in their own right. Uh, that one definitely stands out. But uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird. It's, and it's hard to explain to people. Yeah, I have this co-writer, but oh, she's six six hours away. But we, you know, but it works, and and we, we've done it. And, and now with the modern technology, there's really no reason why you can't. Well, have you um, have you co-written with other people? No, I actually have not. Okay, so um, you have an entry. You had an entry this year in KTA, and yes. um, so tell me a little bit about that because this is your your own um, entry yes. with without a co-writer. This and yeah, that, really fascinating that piece. It was it really I I never expected it to be as to turn out like I did like it did. I mean when, when and I survived, I never know where it's going to go. I just sometimes I write eight pages and it fizzles and it never goes anywhere. I've got a computer full of partially written stories. They just oh it sounded like a good idea, but it just fizzled and never happened. Um, and I know there was a deadline, and I was like really, really, really wanting to enter for a lot of reasons. Just I just needed that, but I just couldn't get inspired. And um, listening to music and and reading little blurbs as if just nothing struck. It just nothing struck, and uh, and I would try to make myself no because you can't you can't force it. Uh, right. I mean I don't think I mean I can't. And I had read this article years ago, and, and of course, not to be political, but there was some upheaval. And I remember this this article years and years ago about somebody taking on, you know, the forces and whatever. And I thought, ooh, that could be interesting. And I was just in the mood to, to do something, like, you know, right? So I pulled all the, pulled all this stuff up on the internet. Actually, I think I'm still working at the time. Don't tell them. Uh, but I was pulling up on the internet. And, and so we was like, oh, yeah, this could probably work. You know? And it's a true story. Of course, how it happened is not exactly following the story, but for the most part, it does. But I reread it and reread it, kept going back and putting in details. And stuff. When I started writing it, I think I finished six pages before I quit. I mean, just, it just blew, flowed out. And I knew how it was going to end in this respect because the story already told me how it was going to end. I just had to get there. Uh, so, in this case, I didn't have to, like, oh, crap, have a lot of ending, because sometimes ending a story is the hardest thing you can do. Now, how do I end it? Do I, and, and, of course, you know with mine, somebody always dies. But, <laughs> uh, or, I just, yeah, 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 there's no happy endings in my story. I'm sorry. Um, Another thing we have in common. Yeah, we, we somebody's going to die. <laughs> and, uh, um, so, but but that was already a set, so I knew this, and so so it was so so I'm I'm thinking this old cantankerous man well, actually about myself, but but the, uh, that that was confronted by this younger person who was sort of giving him advice, supposedly giving him advice, and so I would think imagine the conversation going on between them, and that just, it just started flowing out, uh, and I wrote it pretty quick. I mean, for even though it's a, a short piece, it's still, uh, I, I got it on paper pretty quickly. I would go back and tweak little things here and there. Um, but, but as, as I said, I would reread the story. It's like, oh, that's a really good one. I didn't put that in. 
but just details about his car, details about different things that I thought played a more. Uh, so it actually it was once I got rolling, it came out pretty quick. Um, never really expected it to be as success it was. You know, but yeah, I sort of like the story. I think it's cool. It's quirky. It's you know, it's, it's just somebody winning over adversity. Well, winning in one respect at least. Um, but it was it, it's just a really cool story. Um, but, um, so how do you um, how did you feel when you found out that it is a back to finalist in the ten minutes? Well, uh, really, uh, I'm pretty shocked because I know there was a lot of entries. Uh, I right. don't a lot of the entries and I had not read I mean I don't know I don't know any of the other authors I don't know uh any of the story and stories or anything like that so I don't know I mean I, I don't know what made mine stick out uh, it is a little different I'm sure than what most people uh, wrote so I was I was surprised especially the fact that I had really somewhat rushed to it because it was I was getting near the deadline uh when I finally came up with oh yeah let's do this kind of thing and and really between my job, uh, 10-hour day job, trying to, because a lot of times I would come home at night after working until 10 o'clock and start writing, you know, start writing to, to you know, uh, get it finished up. So I was pretty, pretty shocked that, that I had really not spent the, the time I thought I needed, but maybe I did. Maybe sometimes I think you can spend too much time and you just overdo it. Uh, so apparently something worked out well. Well, and it has an interesting title too. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you? Came well, up well, I thought, I thought back and forth uh, about a title, and there's a backstory, a way backstory there too. My stepfather's name was Chicken, and I didn't want it to people who knew me. I didn't want it to think it was an autobiography kind of thing of him. <laughs> And, 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 and because he, if you, if you're around Corbin in, in the area, you know, chicken, you know, uh, so I didn't want it. To, I didn't want people like, Oh, they wrote about him. And of course that was, I'm sure that's the first thing people who really know me are going to think. And no, it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with the story when you read it, but it's also the fact that he was a chicken to take on the government. So it's more of a, an analogy that, that, actual foul uh, so uh uh it, it came from a lot of tossing around yeah that was why the hardest part of the whole story was coming up with a, a decent topic I, I came up with several different things and eh, eh. um and I, I really wasn't real happy with that but it but, but it did play off well with what uh the story has to do in, in a couple in real life and actually in, in an analogy as can you uh, relate to that, Matt, about coming up with titles uh, and the difficulty of that? Or yeah, well, yeah, it it, it it can be a it can be a pain sometimes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, it, I've you know some of the things that we've written and I've written and uh, yeah. you know we go through probably ten or twenty different ideas yeah. and finally just something comes out and oh yeah, that's good. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it can uh, be painful. It, it can, and and as, as Kathy had said it in the past, when you put them into a fake catalog too, if they have a Z or an R or something way on the bottom of the list, so you want it maybe it's sort of start with it with one of the first letters of the alphabet so that it gets <laughs> to the top. Uh, and yeah. that was 
I never thought about that. I'm just trying to find something that's catchy. Um, but you know, that that's something to think about too. You know, in, in a play catalog kind of thing, you know, yes, it, you want it to be near the top. Um, I always try to avoid the and a, you know, as a beginning. Right. Yeah. I, I, I know this time that that the uh, chicken is, is there, but it, but you can't hunt. I mean, it's just almost impossible sometimes to avoid using those things. So. So when when did you discover that you had a talent for writing? Like when did you start writing? Um, I I didn't do plays. I guess it's on you. Um, but way way back uh, back when I was just out of high school, I was freaking in and started jotting down poetry and not late at night because I was inspired by some of the stories of again the, the clients I worked with and. and there wasn't a whole lot of free time at night that, you know, third shift is a little crazy. Um, and I started jotting this, this boy, I was on books and books and books. So I, mean, I would just write, you know, and then when, even when I'm off, it would still come back and inspire me. So I started that way, probably hundreds of, of poems. Most of them were not it was great, but it was at least putting it on paper. Yeah. <laughs> so I started back then. Uh, then it sort of died throughout the, next you know several years and start teaching and life happened and all that um and i tried short stories a few times it just i just couldn't get it going uh or two was a thing because i could tell a story in eight lines or less and kind of, you know that kind of thing and or a page and a half and that's it you know the whole tour so or two was a nice way because i didn't have to do all the fill-in words and stuff just, you know, so uh, right. as a good way but um that, yeah i, I think uh, uh, I think part of the first play was when I, I actually went to challenge myself after uh, you and I had talked for a while. So, so. Well, I, and, and I still write them for my students. You know, that was the thing. Of course, it was after meeting you as well. But, you know, so I, you know I really want to do this, please. But I can't find what I want. Well, you want. So we would write it. So, And then I got them to write. And so that was part of it, too, you know, as for these competitions, because the 10-minute plays and stuff. Things like that. So. Right. Um, so what is the hardest part of writing for you? Uh, when, when I, when, like with this last time, when I really wanted, there's a deadline and I really want to do it, but I just can't find motivation. I just can't find a subject. It's not really motivation. I want to write. I just can't find that subject. And if I don't have something to write about, I just can't write. Um, uh, now, it, it, the ones I guess I, I guess the ones I like the best are the ones that give you a picture or they give you a phrase and you go off of it. And I've done a few contests like that too, never sure. successful. But, but that was I enjoy those because here's a picture and every all you know for 18 people write a story, 18 people people get a different story off this, that same picture. So I like that because it gives me a, a starting point. Uh, so I, I guess a lot of times it's just getting it started uh, and, and being motivated to a certain area to, to write. Well, and you have a lot of experience with theater as well. So um, tell us a little bit about, you know, your experiences as an actor and, uh, you know, what other roles that you had in well, theater. Yeah, I, I, I don't even know. I, it must have been, been smaller parts, uh, more of a character, I guess, a character. 
Um, but I've, I've directed, I've, I've, I've uh, uh, been backstage, I've, I've done this, you know, the, the pieces. Uh, last year I put, put together an Edgar Allan Poe uh, project. It was just, I just took some of his work and sort of pieced them in together to make a life story uh, using uh, the things he had written and, and pieced it together from the very early ages up to the, his death, but using pieces he had written. Um, and that was that was an interesting uh, something that I had not, had not been done here, um, and it was it was interesting to put it together and actually for the first time to see something I, I row or at least put together, be on stage and and be performed and and um, that that was interesting and to see other people's take of it um, because it was loosely because I knew I was going to be the one director so I didn't give a lot of stage directs I just said this is. Yeah. And then as we went, we played with it as whatever felt right, you know, for the actors. So, so uh, now someone else picked up the script, it, 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 you know, it, I'm sure they took a totally different take from because I visualized what I wanted, so I didn't put it on paper, no, every, every single aspect, um, which I know is not exactly the right way to write one, but it's like, you know, it's my movie, my piece, you know, so I knew how it was supposed to look in my mind and so right i and didn't i think that's a real talent that you have i noticed when we were co-writing and maybe it is because of your you know having all the different roles you've had in theater uh, but you you paid a lot of attention to stage directions and um, that part of the, the writing process so um, also the artistic i think you have a really good grasp of you know the um technical side and the what it's going to look like on the stage um well i, I tried and with with a pole i wanted it dark you know and obviously i mean in, in respect when it very simple we had a very small stage i wanted it very simple and to be changing from one aspect to another with with the, and so we used cubes everything was cubes uh and the, and, and they were like lift over they became chairs they became you know whatever um, so very, very simplistic and, and set things, but it made a point. And the more and more I go see modern, more modern plays and see the very few set pieces used, the more I, I like it for the most part. I love elaborate sets, but then again, sometimes you just don't need it. Um, so sometimes less, less is more, definitely. Uh, so you yeah. got to think of that. And, and when you're writing plays, you got to think of the budget and all that. So how could you do this without being collaborative? Uh, and most of the time, you can. It, it doesn't really add a whole lot to it if you got good acting and all that. Um, and, I, and I think costume is really important. Um, hmm. I, I have been shows that I didn't really care for. I love the costume. I think you know, whoever was doing that was doing a really good job. But the show itself, like, eh. <laughs> The major shows I didn't care for. I love the costuming and, and the theatrics and stuff. Yeah, I think um, people, you know, don't always think about all the elements that go into the, a play or a musical on stage. You know, it, and then putting one together is more than just writing some dialogue. Um, you know, well, just, it like, is. And, and even with Poe, which was a lot of storytelling, so. You know, it wasn't really just, you know, 
it was a whole lot of remember lines like that. But we started back in August to put this on in October. And that and that still went a whole lot of time, but still we you know every you know, three three days a week all the way through August, September and up until uh, October put together this small piece. It was about a forty five minute to an hour show. Uh, it wasn't really you know, terribly long. Um, but to lace all the pieces together so it does not I hate dead time and say the one that it's a killer for theater is dead time for me um unless there's a point to it so i wanted each thing to just flow right in together um and, and i think i accomplished that but but that in itself is just the timing and there was some past state because i only use six about face about six people in the show to do all the characters and sometimes it's it changes because I mean, it, it we quick keep this momentum going, uh, so that's something to think about too. Had I had more people, yeah, it would, it would have made it a lot easier, but again, the more people, there more to direct, and that. So sometimes fewer is, is better. As, as, again, uh, and if they were willing to do the different characters, then it's just easier, uh, and they didn't mind the set check, you know, the costume change, so sure. Well, I want to congratulate you on uh, your piece being a finalist in KTA's Roots of the Bluegrass. And, uh, you know, I can't wait uh, for the awards ceremony and to see the the performance there of it and uh, to see yeah, how it's... It, it, it it'll be interesting to see it, actually see, you know, see what it, it comes out. Because, you know, um, it's been a couple months and, you know, there's little things I'm sure I've forgotten. And so it'll be interesting. Uh, <laughs> The one, the one yeah. thing that, the one thing that struck me was like you were talking about how, in the Poe thing, you use cubes to make the, uh, you know, to make the scenes move faster and to be able to use them in different ways for different things, and uh, so now instead of using the cubes, you're actually in a cube because you're on Zoom. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. See, so it, it it's a, it, it's the same kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of fun, just kind of funny that you go from one thing to the next. Well, uh, yeah, well. Uh, yeah, so what? I had one question before we sort of wrap this up. Is um, so you you worked with Cat and I've worked with Cat. What do you find the hardest thing to, you know, do <laughs> with her? <laughs> well, look, she's definitely perfectionist, but then again. <laughs> I mean, but that's a good thing because I, you don't want sloppy. No. And yeah. I mean, we 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 all literally the boxes, the, the final five minutes of it took more time to write than the entire rest of. What would you say, Kat? I would say yes. I, think. I mean, overall, for the, for the amount of time of the play, <laughs> because we wrote it really early on, but then we're like, no, well, what if? You know, and and so. Uh, and we, we, I mean, it would be changing a word or something like no, that. So, yeah, but <laughs> it, but it got there, but, but it wasn't, it was always just to, and you got to think of every person that's going to be watching this, you know, right, what would yeah. their take And you don't want to be something that's going to set someone off by something they see or whatever. So you try to keep it, you know, down there. Um, but yet you want to make a point. Sure. So, yeah. And, but but I think that's what the 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 good thing is that she she does keep it focusing 
no. Well, let's try this. Let's try this. And yeah. and she. I, I don't know that it, it's a hard thing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Did she ever ask you to wear a bow tie or anything like that? Oh no, no. <laughs> no. Michael oh. would wear one. Would I, I'm, I'm 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 used to the overdress one anyway, so that's usually not a problem. All right, automatic fill in. Okay. Okay. So All right. Continue. All right, so Michael, we want to thank you for being on Backstory Sessions. We appreciate you coming by and telling telling us about your uh, your play and some of your experiences. And uh, look forward to uh, seeing the performance. At... Okay. Go ahead, Kat. Um, so I have Bill with us now. Hi, Bill. How are you doing? Oh, good. How are you, Matt? Good, thanks. Uh, just give us one second. We're wrapping up with Michael, and uh, we'll we'll get to you in a minute here. Okay. All right. So uh, again, Michael, thanks for coming by, and uh, you know we look forward to seeing how your play does, and uh, uh, finding out what projects you're working on coming up. And um... well, I, th- I think I'm definitely motivated to to do. I have a couple things uh, ideas almost as bizarre as that one. So I'm, I'm anxious to get them started, but I do want to wait until this is over. It's like, okay, let's see which direction I'm going to go. But I do have some ideas for some stuff. So yeah, great. That'll be, yeah, yeah. yeah we'll, we'll look forward to seeing some of that in the future. Yep. I hope so. Yes. All right. And is there a way for um, people to get in touch with you, Michael, if they have any questions or uh, want to reach out to you about your play? Uh, you can find me on Facebook. Of course, who can't be found on Facebook? Um, but, uh, I don't know if that e- if I have an email. I don't know if it's on the flyer or not. Uh, it's just Michael four one six zero, which is my zip code on the hotmail. We will okay. uh, we'll post your contact information as well, so people can get in touch with you if they want. And, okay. Uh, yeah. So thanks for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate. It. Yeah. All right. So, Kat, you want to continue on? Sure. All right. So, um, you know, that was a really great conversation with Michael and uh, his play, uh, Chicken Man. So um, I I know that people are really going to enjoy that. And and the title, again, is, is quite unique. And our next guest um, also has a really unique title for his entry. And um, so we'd like to welcome to Backstory Sessions, Bill McCann. Hello, Bill. And so Hello. great for you to be with us today. Well, thank you for having me. Um, it, we're um, talking, you know, with the people that have entered uh, Roots of the Bluegrass. And you're no stranger to that contest. But um, we wanted to, like, get the backstory story about riding experiences that um, you've had and what inspired your entry this year. But I, I guess the first thing is I'd really like to know about the title uh, because it definitely is something unusual. Um, so Strange Pairs, tell us about that. Well, <laughs> I was just reading, uh, I think it was in Reader's Digest or, or someplace uh, that about this lady who had said, well, you know, I was really struggling with my relationship with my husband and I managed to, to get things back on track by using a doll. And, <laughs> and she used a doll in the same way in which it's in the play. Uh, 
in fact, it's su- subtitled that it is a uh, based on a true story. So it is. It, it, it's it's based on a true story. I just took the concept and made up names. Uh, you know, made up a, a situation and put the put the characters there. But it really happened. Uh, a lady saved her marriage by using a doll to to manipulate her husband into. Uh, seeing the world a little differently than he had before. Well, that's quite interesting. And so, uh, so the title, um, was that the title of the article or did you? No, Strange Pairs is, is, uh, I don't know. Um, the, the lady pretends to serve strange pairs to this, uh, life-size doll. And then, of course, they are a pair. The the, the couple are a pair. So, yeah. strange pairs. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's very creative. Um, but it, the title did. It's um, I don't know. It, it's stuck with me. I, and uh, so I think it's you know it's attention getting. And now that you've explained more about it, it's really really creative. Um, well, thank you. So. Uh, how do you how do you feel about this play? I know that you've written others, but um, what is it about this play that you liked? Um, I don't know. I mean, I I thought it was kind of uh, a fun play and one I enjoyed. And believe it or not, I, I I ran the Roots of the Bluegrass contest for three years, and I've never actually entered the contest. So I just had this play. I, it's it's recently been published too, uh, in an online magazine called Sick, C I Q, which yeah. is published by the Leeds Center for the Arts in Winchester. Uh, it just seemed like everything was kind of coming together at the same time with this play. I <laughs> I got it published and and I entered it in the contest and then now I find out I'm a finalist. So it's just all kind of working together so um what are your thoughts going into the finals and seeing the cutting um you know they're meant to be readings but this year because of the virtual um setup that we're in um, i feel like they're going to be more like performances than they are um, traditional readings so what are your thoughts about seeing it kind of come to life in that way well, it's always fun to see a new play come to life. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me 25 years, literally, from the time I started writing plays to getting my first production, my first full-length production. Wow. And so, you know, it's it's been a long process. It's been, uh, I haven't had a whole lot of 10-minute plays even produced. This is like the third one, I guess. So it, it's it's exciting. It's very exciting. It, so what um, what led you to playwriting? I started in Lexington Children's Theater when I was 11. And uh, I've just been active in, in theater ever since. So uh, as I've gotten older, I've wanted and had less desire to do acting. And so I started uh, about, I guess it's been about 26 years ago now, writing plays. And I wasn't very good at it. So eventually... I went back to school and got my master's degree in theater with an emphasis on playwriting at UK. And uh, 
uh, it was just a wonderful experience. I don't know any other way to, to say it except except that it was a it was a wonderful experience. I actually got a chance to have a play produced um, as part of the main stage uh, main stage season for UK's theater department. Uh, just absolutely blown away by that, and so it's it's been a long process, but. There's been some good things to have come out of it, and I've really enjoyed uh, my opportunities. Do you have have any idea, of, like roughly, how many plays you've written? I'm just curious about. Oh gosh, I would say probably twenty. Oh wow, yeah, and I think maybe four have been produced. Yeah, one full length and three and three uh, ten minute plays. Cool. Do you feel like that your acting background um, played a part in you being able to be a better playwright? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, actors learn to to think in the moment and to, to react to what's going on around them. And so I have always uh, tried not to put a whole lot of stage directions in there, knowing that actors are perfectly capable of using the moment and trying to figure out, you know, who this character is. They, they can do that. So I don't need to give them a whole lot of stage directions, and I try and keep the stage directions to a minimum. And that's directly as a result of that. Uh, well, I like that. <laughs> that's kind of my um, way of thinking as well. Uh, I know that some people are, you know, like a, a lot of stage directions and so it's just, just really interesting when you uh, when you get to hear there are others who, you know, feel similarly that those don't have to be so um, significant. But um, and one thing I guess I'm always curious about with writers, because I don't get to talk to a lot of playwrights. Um, you know, it's uh, of all the writers, I, I would say that I encounter there are fewer playwrights than, uh, you know, poets or people that write short stories, uh, novels. I, I meet those typewriters more than playwrights. So I, I love when I finally get to have a conversation with someone who writes plays. But do you ever find yourself, uh, I mean, like, do the characters seem that you create, do they seem almost, um, like, real to you? Do you become attached to them like a person almost uh, I don't know about that but as as I write and the, the longer I'm working with characters the easier it is to write them they, they kind of start writing themselves mm -hmm. uh, I had a, a, a um, workshop production of one of my plays the, the full length uh, Boats Against the Current down in Somerset at uh, Flashback Theater and every night I would go back to the, I was, it was a five day event. I'd go back and rewrite basically the whole play. <laughs> and that was because I knew the characters really well. And I could just make a change here or a change there. And it, it worked. So over a period of five days, I rewrote the play uh, probably four times. And that's because I knew the characters and they, they helped me do that. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Go ahead, Kat. They almost take on a, a life or a direction. The characters almost 
seem to oh. come to life in some ways to me. Um, like they seem to guide what's going to happen after a while. Well, they guide what's going to happen, but the, the, their words just, I mean, the words pop out of their mouths instead of mine. Now they come come out of their mouths and onto my fingers, fingertips, and boom. Yeah, I've had... and that's like true with the little, the yeah. short plays as well as with the longer ones. Yeah, I mean, do you feel like like I feel like I'm just a medium, you know, like a, they're just like channeling their story through me. That's that's what I feel like when I'm really into writing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. Matt, um, yeah, you have... I, I've had that same uh, same experience, uh, especially in you know in writing Love and Jello. That was uh, you know those characters sort of came to life for me as well. Uh, so, Bill, this is um, uh, there seems to be a theme of co-writing going on lately, <laughs> and uh, you know especially some of the people that we've talked to, and uh, you know Cat and I write together. So, have you ever written with anyone, and have you found that to be challenging or a good experience? Well, the first play that I wrote, um, well, not the first play, I, the first play that was produced, the one at UK, was written, actually, as a, it's a devised work. Uh, and the credit for that goes, of course, not only to the actors, but to the, pri to the two primary writers, who were Dr. Uh, Jennifer Goodlander, who was on, on staff. She's a teaching faculty member at UK at the mm -hmm. time and myself. And we were into this about, Oh, probably five weeks or so. And she said, I'd like you to put your name on the, on, on the play as well. And that was, that was the first time that I'd had any exposure to uh, devised works. And any time that I, you know, I hadn't not, I had not had that expectation that I would right, yeah. have my name on that play. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was my co-writing experience. <laughs> but it was just it was me, Doctor Goodlander, and what were there twenty people in the cast? Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> so that was, that was quite an experience. Yeah, I can imagine. I have enough enough issue working with one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so what is the benefit of, uh, you know, having 20 other people to collaborate with? Um, you get lots of ideas. Right. Lots and lots of ideas that way. And uh, then you can kind of talk, talk through which ones work and which ones don't. And it, it's really a lot of fun. I, I'm, I really enjoyed that experience. Um, I recommend it. How if you want to do um, how did you resolve um, you know differing ideas perhaps because it's it's bound to come up if you know if you're with creative people uh, there's going to be sometimes you don't all have the same uh, path in, in mind. So how did you decide? Well, I don't know that there were ever formal decisions made. Uh, it started, the, the story is uh, Monkey King, Havoc in Heaven. And that's based on a, on a Chinese traditional folk tale. Mm. And 
we started with a book that had this had the story in it and and then uh, the actors were cast into particular roles and of course they they then had a, a strong ideas uh, opinions about what their roles should be and how their characters should develop uh, there were scenes that were rehearsed well let's let's do this scene here and this is what's supposed to happen and and just try it out see you know see see what works um okay michael you come in and and you start the scene you're the monkey king uh and others interact with michael we'll just do this as a little bit of improv and that's that's where we started each time was with doing improvs and then the 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 lines would kind of firm up over a time or two of doing it. And then I would actually put the the lines on paper and just uh, describe the scene and that sort of thing. Um, And Dr. Goodlander was the one leading the, uh, the the process. Hmm. So I was, I was more or less, I was just a graduate student and, I was just more or less putting it on paper, <laughs> listening to the, watching and listening to rehearsals, yeah. and the actors and Dr. Goodlander were doing most of the decision making about what went in the play. Yeah. So you haven't. That worked, makes sense. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it does. You haven't worked with anyone <laughs> since, or. <laughs> uh, no. Mean... No, I haven't. Okay. Uh, I, I would be glad to do it again. Although I guess I would say that the the workshop experience in Somerset was very much that way. The uh, actors would come in and read the read the play aloud in the morning, yeah. And then in the afternoon they would act out what had been rehearsed. Um, and then put sometimes they would take. In the afternoons would be devoted to just one or two scenes, even though I might have made adjustments of. of anywhere from a few words to a few paragraphs to whole, an entire scene being added. Right. Um, wouldn't necessarily all be gone through each time. So that was uh, the uh, actors changed every day. Um, sometimes the same actors were there from, from day to day, but they were given different parts. Hmm. And they were able to interpret uh, the roles and then give me feedback. And that was very helpful in terms of... Uh, making changes to the script. So that wasn't devised works per se, but it, it, the actor certainly had a lot of influence in how things came out. Right, yeah. Uh, it's also the go- role of the audience when you're, um, you know, when you're watching your work be performed, uh, do you get any uh, ideas of changes just based on audience um, reaction? Oh, sure, sure. Uh, particularly when I'm just drafting a, a play and it's being read for the first time. If I follow along in my own script and as if the actors are stumbling over the words or saying it differently, I'll write what they say onto my script. And sometimes I'll change the, the lines to reflect what they've said. Or I'll say, well, that you know what they said didn't work, but the line needs to change. And so... Uh, yeah, I, I I rely on actors a lot to help me. <laughs> they may not know it, and they certainly mm-hmm. don't get credit for it. But uh, yeah, actors are an important part of the process. 
Well, I, I think even, um, like, I know in my own work, sometimes people uh, have laughed at lines that, you know, I, I didn't even think were particularly funny. Um, so sometimes, you know, I see something that works that I, in a way I, I didn't anticipate. And I think, oh, you know, that's really cool. Um, right. I'd rather have it that way than a part, you know, I really think it's going to be funny and nobody laughs or whatever. Um, right. So um, definitely don't want that to happen. Um, so when you found out that you were a finalist, um, how'd you feel about that? Since this well, is this is the first time I've been a finalist, so I was ecstatic, you know, <laughs> kind of yeah. over the moon with it. Uh, I've not had a, well, no. I, I did have one other play win a contest, but uh, this is this is really cool. I'm excited about it. Well, I know um, at least for for your play, I know that um, the University of the Cumberland, their theater department um, and faculty, are participating, and they're going to be performing yours. So, um, oh, good. Uh, Tom and Kathy Fish. I don't, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. But no. Kathy, them. Um, they are a married couple, and uh, so I just have to tell this kind of backstory because they are celebrating their anniversary um, following the um, performances at KTA. So I thought, what an interesting piece for them to be able to perform. You know, as like a pre-anniversary for a real married couple. Right. Um, what do you think of that? Um, because I think it's these, great. I hope it doesn't cause story. irreparable harm. <laughs> <laughs> we might know what the anniversary gets. You know, we have to get them like this doll, like this doll or whatever. So, uh, uh, but, you know, I thought that was interesting as I heard you telling the, the story of how you came up with the, the idea. Uh, it just made me think, like, how cool that they're the ones performing your play. Oh, and, yeah. You know, so... This is the first year that KTA will not have the in-person festival, and so Roots of the Bluegrass is having a virtual awards. And I feel like the readings are going to be more performance-based um, than reading-based. So I, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, your play and, and what they do with it, uh, and, and especially now that I've heard a little bit of the backstory of how the play came to be. I think that's just really very cool. Um, yeah. Well, thank excited, you. Excited about that. So what's next for you? What are you working on? Um, I'm not sure. I've uh, <laughs> been, been uh, writing some short fiction, some flash fiction. Uh, I've written some poetry recently that I sent off. Uh, I'm the uh, arts columnist for the Winchester Sun, so I've, I'm always looking for uh, arts activities to talk about in the in the column. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> and I continue to write plays. Sure. So, what advice would you give to writers out there, um, you know, maybe who are thinking about giving up? Uh, they might think 25 years is too long to wait or uh you know what keeps 
what advice would you give to keep them motivated? Uh, look for the look for the little signs of success that come your way. Um, pretty early on in the process of learning to write plays, I sent a play to Soho Theatre in London, England, and they didn't produce the play, but they gave me three three pages single space pages of response to the play. And so that kept me going for years. Oh, that's awesome. Right. <laughs> that positive, that positive feedback. Uh, they said, you know, we don't have the death penalty in this. It was, it was a play about the death penalty. We don't have the death penalty uh, in this country. So it, this play doesn't really have much appeal here, yeah. but you know, there are, there is lots to like about the play and I would encourage you to keep writing. So that, that was good for three or four years just by itself. Right. And so if you don't send them off, um, you you miss out on that chance to get the positive feedback. That's true. So, That's true. Uh, uh, so where else do you find ideas? Oh, good gracious. Um, I am writing a series of... Uh, I guess you'd call them satires or send-ups of, of Bible stories mm-hmm. uh, and and short episodic episode short episodic uh, stories of just a few hundred words each and some sometimes far far less than that um, so I don't know I mean that those came from the Bible um, I'm not sure that the folks who actually wrote the Bible would appreciate them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're they're not in any way um, uh, heretical or you know dismissive of this. Of, you know, they tell the, the, the story in roughly the same fashion, but in a modern tone that some people don't appreciate and some people absolutely love. Right. Um, so the. Ideas literally can come from anywhere. The strained pairs came from an article I read someplace, and the Bible is something I've lived with my entire life. I've, I've been a Christian my entire life, so does that idea came from there? Um, I don't know. It just—I guess if you're looking, you you find. Seeking, you shall find. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, I wrote a I wrote a poem recently about uh, about a train and then we live literally two two houses up from the train tracks, so that's where that idea came from. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I I picked up uh, started playing disc golf a a few months ago, and I wrote a poem about disc golf. (laughs) (laughs) You can literally find inspiration anywhere. I guess is what you're what you're saying. It certainly seems like you you've had a very interesting writing career so far, and uh, really unique things that you have planned going forward. So, um, I, I I really enjoy being able to to talk with you about your writing experiences and about strained pairs. And uh, <laughs> congratulations, of course, for being a finalist, and can't wait to um, to see the performance and. Uh, to hear, you know, the feedback, uh, that's so important, too. I, I always love hearing what people have to say about, you know, my writing. So I'm right. sure you're going to 
you're going to really enjoy the, the comments and the positives that will come from that piece. Uh, Bill, yeah, I'm excited about it. Looking forward to it. Bill, if people wanted to get in touch with you, how would what would be the best best way to do that? Um, ky.playwright at yahoo.com. Okay, great. Uh, we will include your... Lowercase ky period dot and then the word playwright at yahoo.com. Okay, we'll make sure to include that in the uh, information on this episode. And uh, we want to thank you for coming by and talking to us and uh, giving us your insights into your career. I, I think some of the things you've done have been pretty interesting. And, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it's pretty cool to talk to someone who's been around for 25 years doing, you know, writing plays and uh, involved in the arts and stuff. And uh, it says a lot, a lot about your dedication to the craft. Well, thank you all very much for having me on. It's been a lot of fun. I wasn't sure what to expect. It's been very enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, sometimes we're not sure what to expect either. <laughs> it's a lot of freeform kind of stuff most of the time. So, uh, you know, we try and keep it pretty, pretty uh, casual, I guess. So, all right, Kat, you got anything else? I uh, know. I just uh, I'm really excited that we get to finally showcase some Kentucky playwrights and uh, you know the, to get to talk to them about their plays. This is really always enjoyable. So I hope that we'll get to do more of these um, as time goes by. Yeah, we actually have. It's not um, same time next year. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, we actually have two more. Well, they've that... already made a play about that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> a movie too, I think, wasn't it? Alan, Alan Alda. Yes, and a movie too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we have uh, a couple more people that we're going to add to this episode on another day, but um, this look, this episode will be out uh, right after the Roots of the Bluegrass yeah. event. The 15th i think if that's a sunday i believe yeah um, yeah we might put it out monday we'll see depends on if i put the readings the right. are what the 13th uh 14th i think next saturday so if, next saturday yeah if that's the 14th then uh, <laughs> okay so well thank at, you all again at uh, seven o'clock next saturday seven o'clock uh, next next saturday but, um, tech person may contact you because they'll want you on the zoom link um, because the actors and the playwrights will be on that. Everybody else will be watching through Facebook Live. But um, okay. you'll, you'll be talking a little bit about yourself and your play uh, before it's performed. So um, The pressure is yeah. on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right, Bill. Thanks for coming by. We really appreciate it. Okay. Thank you all. Yeah, no problem. Have a good evening. You too. Bye. Bye-bye. Well, that was, I really loved talking to Chris Bishop. That was a great interview and um, he had a lot to say. So I'm, I'm really excited about our next guest as well. Um, you know, they're kind of like us. Um, they, well, 
<laughs> they're probably more sane than us. But, um, you know, I mean, that remains to be seen. We will let the audience decide. Right. But, um, you know, they, they do co-write. So uh, our next guest for playwriting um, so we actually have two, and I'm I'm really I've got a lot of questions about their process and how it works for them. So I'm I'm excited, and I want to go ahead and introduce our guests for this next segment. So today we have Lisa Holt. Hi, Lisa, and welcome to Backstory Sessions. Thanks, Kat. And then your writing partner, Bill Brohoff. And Bill, welcome. We're so happy to have you. Happy to be here. Thank you. Right. And so, you know, the first thing I, I wanted to know was, how is it that you started writing together? Well, it's, uh, I've been writing for all, all my career. I've been, I was a theater major way back when in college, uh, but decided to switch over to journalism because, uh, oh, I wanted to feed myself. And, uh, uh Lisa and I met. She has a long-term uh, experience in, in theater, which she will mention now. Yeah, my my background is musical theater, but I've been known to attend an occasional play that's silent, even though I don't understand the point of no music. But anyway. <laughs> I feel and free I, to break out into song at any time. <laughs> I would be fine with that. I'm a non-singer. I'm an instrumentalist. So don't make any invitations you don't know. <laughs> leading up to this, I, I had a long-term stint of doing short-form uh, comedy writing for Gary Burbank, who's who you may know. Uh, he was a DJ, uh, spent a, a while at WAKY in Louisville, and uh, moved to the Cincinnati area, and I started writing for him. He had about a cadre of maybe... Uh, eight writers, and uh, uh, so I did a lot of short-form comedy, and when I met Lisa, um, she had mentioned that uh, she needed a bio for her, uh, for the program, uh, for the show that she was working on, and I said, oh, I'll write something, and we started laughing with each other uh, while I wrote something humorous for her that moved on. A uh, little bit. <clears throat> uh, we uh, so we get, we establish that we share a sense of humor, which is critical to our working together as writers. And uh, the um, what I did is actually we went to um, a couple of different uh, ten-minute play things which we had not really had much experience with. And the, the forum kind of excited us. Um, so, And it seemed like an opportunity uh, to have something maybe produced locally, since it looked like an opportunity for uh, local writers to get their stuff on stage. Okay. And uh, we, <clears throat> uh, uh, and, and this describes our process, but that's how we started working with, with one another. It's totally accidental. Yeah, is uh, I would write um, a, a very a ten minute play. Our first one was uh, uh, a talent agency uh, it's, uh, that serviced uh, actual has been TV and movie monsters, and it's kind of a Bob Newhart sort of a phone conversation thing. 
and uh, I would give it over to uh, Lisa for proofreading and making sure things made sense. And she was making excellent additions to that um, and making each other laugh. And uh, uh, I, we decided that, no, we were a writing team. So. Well, he decided that. It's quite daunting to offer <laughs> anything to someone with his uh, credentials and background. Uh, I'm a I'm a retired pharmacist. I got zip in that department. <laughs> but um, it was really just sort of a well. What if you said this? And he said, Well, that's pretty funny. And it just grew from there. And, and establishing that as a process, um, I would I generally do the first drafts and send it over to Lisa to proofread uh, and tell me when it's making sense or not making sense. We have completely rewritten one of uh, uh, one of our plays based on uh, what uh, 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 Lisa's recommended um, and frankly much much better after uh, we were done and we actually scrapped a couple of plays that uh, uh, I had written Lisa said eh, it's not making much sense um, it needs some work but uh, by and large now what we do is, is I write it, Lisa edits it, and makes comments about what could be added, makes me laugh at the things, and uh, I use that as a springboard. She sends it back to me, and I use it as a springboard to make her laugh. And uh, um, uh, it just goes on, and we've, uh, we generally exchange maybe 14 or 15 uh, versions of, of every play that we write. Yeah, we each just do every other draft. He's the storyteller, so he's the one with something to say, and then it it sort of it sort of moves on from there. We we have a few things that have ended up that almost every other line one is him and one is me, and in some cases it's half the sentence is him and the other half is me, hmm. or or one of us writes. Uh, one of us writes a funny line that wasn't intended to be a setup for a joke, but then the other one finds the punchline, and so it becomes a setup and a joke. And the, the joke, uh, the setup and the, the joke, um, the punchline, then is is usually further extended. Um, Lisa makes me laugh, and I add something that makes Lisa laugh, and we're talking about, at this point, up to, you know, the same sentence. We just do this because it's fun. Well, have did you write with anyone before, or is this your first experience with co-writing? Well, actually, um, we Lisa mentioned the, the, the long history. Way back in high school, uh, my best friend, who still is up, up in Wisconsin, um, uh, still one of my best friends, and uh, uh, he and I wrote for a, a traveling uh, theater called Stage on Wheels. We went to um, uh, a different park in Racine, Wisconsin, and uh, uh, the, the, the stage was on a trailer, and uh, we wrote it for, for that. We actually appeared in uh, one of the productions, and um, <clears throat> the director challenged the two of us, knowing that we had a, a writing bed, to write a play for Stage on Wheels, which we did. Uh, Dennis and I, Dennis Chapman is his name. And uh, unbeknownst to us, this is high school, remember, and uh, uh, I'm now in my mid-60s, so this was some time ago. 
And uh, unbeknownst to us, the director sent it to a publisher. The publisher accepted us, accepted us. And the first we'd heard about that was the acceptance letter. And uh, <laughs> wow. uh, and we uh, uh, were still earning royalties on that to this day. It's, it's just not for lunch every once in a while, so it's not a huge amount of money, but um, that, was, that was a start. Uh, uh, he and I bounced in the same process, bouncing ideas of making each other laugh, um, that uh, it works so much with uh, Lisa and I working together. So what happens when you don't agree, you and Lisa um, don't agree on the direction or a line? Um, well, there's blood all over the walls. <laughs> right. And so, how, you know, who has to clean that up? <laughs> well, the final cut comes from the guy with the credentials. So I'm, I, I take the opportunity to make my case and... Sometimes he disagrees with me, and sometimes I'm able to sell it. And sometimes um, I absolutely disagree with something, but I think about it, and I think about it three days later, I go, you know, she's right. <laughs> <laughs> and that has happened uh, a number of times where um, we didn't see eye to eye initially, but uh, either we worked it out so that we did see eye to eye, um, or uh, I accepted you know, what the recommendation was, even though initially I, I, uh, uh, I rejected it. But there's times where, frankly, um, things that are in a couple of the plays, Lisa is recommended against, and I said, no, I think it's funny. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and so do you ever then, like, see these performed and, re and then say, like, I told you that wasn't funny or... I told you that was funny or, you know, do you, after the performance, then acknowledge the other person was, you know, right or wrong? No, we've come to a consensus usually long before then. We've been delighted with our works that we've had a chance to see, well, to the extent anything is done anymore at the moment. Yeah. It's right. all been, you know, Zoom or, or uh, uh, table reads or whatever. But no, we've, the only thing we ever complain about is the acting. We're we're delighted with our work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so what's the first time that you saw your work performed that you'd written together? Do you remember who performed uh, that or which play? Actually, some, uh, something that we wrote together, it's, it's called The Fred Squad. And it's a, um, a group of people. Uh, a group of four people, or three people actually, uh, forced into a retirement, and they start joking around and uh, everything, and they start making fun of. Uh, uh, you said we can't talk about drugs. But pharmaceutical drug names, and yes. they were making fun, and uh, uh, lo and behold, a, a representative of that drug company showed up in desperate need of, of something uh, to do. And they presented as a joke, some of the jokes that they had made, which um, the uh, uh, pharma rep uh, liked a lot and actually set this group uh, off on, on their new career. And it was initially done 
uh, via Zoom um, in California in the early part of this year. Uh, student production. Yes. Student so. directed, and although happily they cast age-appropriate actors since it was about you know, the second career thing. Um, uh -huh. But it was really fun. What's that, a 25-minute or so? Uh, yes. And we were as a one-act. We generally start work, uh, working toward 10 minutes, but we've extended things, like the Pred Squad started out as a uh, 10 minute, but uh, we worked together on it and made it better and longer. Yeah, found some more stuff we liked, and the hard part is shortening them again. Once we get stuff added to it that we like, it, it's hard to go back to use a 10 minute version for something. Right, or, or like do a cutting of it or something. Yeah, don't you find that painful oh, once you decide is. you like something to, to go back and try to ditch it? Yeah. No, we need to keep that. No. <laughs> it's like, where do you cut it off and, you know, how do, how do you make it so that people get a sense of the entire story? Well, you know, we found out the only thing we can tolerate is going back to the original 10-minute version and editing it rather than trying to edit down the, the more complex Yeah. Well, it allows us to call the things that we added that we really, really like, and we come up with a, a longer piece based on where we started uh, and improving what uh, we started with. And just telling more of the story. Right, yeah. What's the... So you... Oh, go ahead, Kat. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you go ahead. All right. No, no, you go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess the collaboration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just curious, like, what is the hardest thing? I mean, you, you know, we, Kat and I work together, obviously, and uh, you do. And uh, what's the hardest thing about working with someone? Uh, you know, that would be an easy question to 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 uh, to answer if. There was any real problem that Lisa and I have have um, have had um, in the writing. Like I said, there's there's times where Lisa pointed out, eh, no, this is not working. Yeah. Um, and then I say, okay, you're right. Um, <laughs> I mean, this is purely for our own entertainment. We wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you know, sometimes you run into a thing where, you know, somebody says like, no, this is like you were saying, no, this is stupid. We should change it to this and whatever. I mean, I, I get the sense that Bill has final Maybe say. Maybe that's so. just us, Matt. You know, no, you know, you're right. The thing we argue about the most is titles. Ah. <laughs> we have knockdown drag outs of those. And synopses. <laughs> and synopses, right. We've written those 10,000 times. Right, yeah. I just let Kat do all that. I mean, I come up with titles and... Yes, we call him Title Master. So. <laughs> well, you know, there's a right title, and until you come up with it, you're not done. <coughs> and when, it, when it's right, you know it's right. Yeah. That is true. That's very true. Um, so do you, you consider yourself funny um, when you're not writing? Do people, would they categorize you as, oh, you know, Lisa's funny or Bill's funny? I would say yes. He's um, the funniest person I've ever met. And okay. Uh, is, uh, we are frankly smart alecks. Um, and, but we've learned to, to really channel that. 
We just have the same sense of humor. We laugh at exactly the same time. Yeah. At, like a movie or a, or a, a joke on TV or we were reading something. We <laughs> <Yes. laughs> laugh at the same time. Right, yeah. Kat and I have uh, had things <laughs> where we laugh about things that probably we shouldn't be, but we just find them funny. <laughs> well, and you notice no one else is laughing. Right, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But that's okay. <laughs> They look at you. Look at people. Don't they get Yeah. Well, we like a meme we saw on Facebook, which uh, goes uh, humor. It's not for everyone. Right. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, I don't know. I've been finding a lot of hilarious stuff there in the past few days, so um, I've been highly entertained by the, um, you know, the comments of Facebook are, are really to me sometimes like humor gold i mean i just laugh and laugh reading like i mean it's not meant to be funny but, oh, um, oh those yeah, yeah. You know. um, i mean i remember like when the flat earth people were like the the strangest people on the whole facebook and you know now there's like it's possible to be more strange than that so oh, um, way more way more yeah yeah so it's um you know, it's it's just interesting, and there's so much humor. So, how much of your writing comes from inspiration of real, real events or people um, that that you um, experience or encounter, or is it all just completely, um, you know, not based on anything or anyone else that you know? Well, we have two different processes. Uh, we have a a play called Recalculating, which uh, uh, is slated to be produced uh, next year if, if you know, COVID doesn't stand completely in the way. Doesn't wipe us all out. <laughs> and, uh, There's a vaccine uh, it resulted, now. <laughs> um, it, re it resulted in, in part because uh, uh, in a trip down to Tennessee, uh, we started making fun of the GPS. Uh, that we were listening to, and, and the things that we were doing were fun. And uh, suddenly we married that with uh, uh, another thing that we had been talking about. I can't remember the context in which we were talking about it. And suddenly it became uh, to uh, play about two used car salesmen um, uh, going to, as they say, uh, uh, the series that we like so much, The Bad Place. And, <laughs> uh, which is an example of uh, her, she and I laughing aloud, practically falling off the floor at the same time, practically in stereo. Well, and there are also bits and pieces of things from our lives, uh, stories we've told each other that just a little snippet will will show up, like the paper map. The paper map, yes, <laughs> in, in the recalculating the play that we just described. Uh, but there's another avenue that we often take is uh, we like challenges. And for instance, um, and let's talk about Kentucky Theater Association and the bake-off that you had. Sure. Uh, you, you gave us a set of ingredients, and we said, okay, how can we turn that into a play? Ludicrous ingredients, if I might interject. <laughs> yeah, I did hear a mention of that a few times. I bet. I'll bet. Uh, but we, we wove them together, and every one of those ingredients, a talking horse, uh, 
a chorus of lawnmowers uh, and a couple, uh, four or five other things into a coherent sort of very strange, but a, a coherent one. Well, and and we that one we actually talked about to come up with a story because again, ludicrous ingredients. Um, but we actually had to think about it and talk about it for the first 24 of our 48 hours, and then we wrote it. And uh, that was also um, utilizing the skill that I had developed in writing that short-form radio comedy. Is Generally, it was scan the newspaper, you have about two hours to write something and send it in um, for a minute and a half uh, bit on, on, on the radio. And uh, so hitting the deadline and making it work within the con con confines that are presented and, uh, and making people laugh. It, you know, sometimes it's a combination of things. And we do frequently write stuff just to the confines of a contest he's run across somewhere. We don't have anything in that category. And so, okay, it's an impetus to write something. Why not? Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned the GPS. Cat and I actually use that in one of our plays. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's kind of an easy target. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We had the character. It wasn't the character all by itself, but uh, yeah, it's a character. Yeah, we uh, gave it the voice of Elmer Fudd. <laughs> <laughs> well, we gave it the, the voice of, de of the devil. <laughs> 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 yeah two different things <laughs> and I, I can relate to what you're saying about the kta thing it was difficult writing that uh writing um the yeah. you know using all those things and trying to get them incorporated into some sort of coherent uh and, and frankly the, what we came up with uh it's called the other other shoe drops and it's narrated by the talking horse and there is a chorus of lawnmowers in there and we've decided we like it <laughs> something, something something that we always do even when we're writing for a specific competition we try to write it in such a way that we can use it uh, maybe jigger it to, to just a little bit um and uh and work from there and since that one was specifically written for podcast format it's easier for us to submit it than to try to shoehorn some of our other stuff into podcasts, no visuals. That's hard. Right. And, yeah. uh, and honestly, she um, did not intend the shoehorn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, dear. <laughs> so, do you write anything that is um, dramatic more so than uh, comedic? Uh, we generally concentrate on the comedic, um, but there's a couple of things. There was one that we did for a competition in Missouri, and I've been a long time barbecue judge and, and competitor um, as one of my hobbies. And uh, so I wrote a thing initially um, for, uh, for Lisa to, to make it make sense. You um, can leave that part out. Okay. <laughs> you wrote it. <laughs> in which um, it circles around um, uh, the death of a mother in, um, in, in an accident, uh, which we are 
rewriting now, even though it was accepted that that particular competition, uh, COVID killed it, unfortunately. Um, and Lisa doesn't like family angst. So, you know, my, my push is always to get more blood on the walls. <laughs> <laughs> so, that goes beyond angst in my book. So a couple of things are not pure comedies, um, and, or, or, but the pure dramatic sort of thing, no, we, don't, we dabble in that. But we have a ghost very story. We have a ghost story that is more serious than comedic, but there are comedic elements in pretty much everything. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You can find. I mean, he's a he's a comedy writer, and and I don't see much point in adding drama to the world. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's definitely not. Yeah, that might be an extra gold star or something. Yeah, you. So what's? Go ahead. <laughs> what's been the most meaningful um, comment or feedback that you've gotten from someone that just really touched you and, and meant a lot to you? Um, some of it is, I, I think you're 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 leading to. Um, has someone reacted to that made me feel better that empowered me but I've been, I'm going to take it from a different angle and that is uh, we have found a, a very nice uh, uh, workshop group and we sent them something for um, for to be workshopped and read, given a cold read well, uh, we've, been, we've been doing that for about seven or eight months now so yeah. it's like monthly and you get you can send in one one uh, play a month for a short play for a table read. Well, we sent them a play that we had written a long time ago and, and various versions of it. And we kind of looked at each other and said, the group is going to tear this up. They're going to kill us. They're yeah. going to kill us. They're going to, you know, um, it has not been accepted anywhere. But they surprised us. And it was very gratifying when they, they said, you know, you guys always have some some very nice humor and then in this particular play all the jokes were landing and uh, that was uh, getting that sort of feedback uh, from our, our our peers was very um, very uh, uh, gratifying and anytime we have an option to say yes we'd like feedback from your judges for something that we enter we always say yes and my goodness we've We've gotten such good comments, we don't care that they didn't accept it. <laughs> right. You know, it's a matter of personal taste. You know, the sure. final cut, you don't necessarily like ours as much or, or better. But there were no negative comments. There were The negative comments were completely outweighed by the good. Most of them were, well, I started out thinking this, but by the time I got to the end, you had sold me. <laughs> hmm. So those are good negative comments. So that is, yes, uh, feedback from our peers. Uh, direct feedback from the audience. Uh, we don't that... care. <laughs> we really don't. <laughs> you know, what we think is funny, we think is funny. If you don't think it's funny, we can live with that. Yeah, so you, so you guys would say you generally write for yourselves first and then the audience second. Oh, 100%. Yeah. If it doesn't make us laugh um, right. or draw something uh, else out of us, um, then no, we don't pursue it. Uh, we are basically trying to make each other laugh and exploit that. Uh, <laughs> in, in, a very, very, in a very nice sense of the word. Um, but you, 
that sense of humor to uh, come up with stories that support uh, the, the jokes that we we make in conversation. I mean, uh, when we wake up in the morning, we're, <laughs> we're, we're doing things to make each other laugh all, you know, from the very start of the day. Well, and we also, I mean, we spent a lot of, a lot of time having long discussions when we first met, just getting to know each other. And he very quickly dubbed those non-sequitur talk show because it just goes all over the place. And we just go with it. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand because Kat and I have had those same conversations. Yeah, they, wherever they go, you just keep following them right yeah. down that rat hole. Yeah. <laughs> Do you find that your relationship is enhanced? Um because of your riding together? Yeah. I think so. Um, there is, frankly, a, a level of trust that's involved in um, riding together. Um, we, we have to trust each other that we have the same goals and we're supporting each other and say, you can you can work a little bit harder at this. Um, and so, yes, uh, we like like I said, we are taking uh, what really tied us together. You know, we we practically are the same person. I mean, we we said it uh, with the same outlook on life and blah blah blah. Um, but sense of humor is, is part of that. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, employing our mutual sense of humor has, I think, strengthened the re relationship. And we talk about it a lot. I mean, we talk a lot anyway, but we talk a whole lot about this. So for people out there um, that never have written with someone else, uh, but they're considering it, um, what advice would you give them? What uh, might help them to make it successful? Uh, what, what the advice I would give is, um, choose your writing partner very carefully and uh, make sure that the strengths um, um, either either uh, work together or the strengths uh, uh, negate the uh, the flaws in, in the other person or in their writing um, so that would be step number one is make sure that you're very comfortable writing with with, uh, with someone else and then at the same time, you have to uh, give your partner permission to, um, to be themselves, to write well and speak their mind. Uh, we have, for instance, uh, we're working on musicals. We don't write music ourselves, but um, we're with a couple of different uh, local composers who are very, very good. Um, and, and, and they're different setups. In, in one case, we have the book, and we're adding the music to, to make a musical version of it. And the other one, we already have the music, and we're still trying to finish the book to it. But yeah. it's, it's a very interesting collaboration. It's got a lot more to do with personality types than anything else. There's a lot of talented people. Yeah. And, and to stress to the other person that if this isn't working for you, let us know. Um, and if you step away from, from a project, which kind of sort of has already happened, um, sort of, 
that's your decision. That's fine. You're, you're, you're not disappointing us as, as, as writers because this isn't working for you. We want something that works for your uh, uh, collaborator. Well, and you, you can't really control your own creative process. It is what it is. And it's either, it's either working in any given situation and everybody's sort of thinking along the same lines or you find out that you're not. You're not on the same page, and you just have to shift into another direction. Yeah, because I could see probably where um, two people that are really good friends um, could become <laughs> very hurt at each other through a bad writing experience. Um, not everyone, I think, uh, can work in a collaborative um, effort of writing. I, I don't think everybody is meant to do that. Um, and you got to have a good reason to try to just saying, I think maybe I'd like to work with a partner. Yeah, no, don't do that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, we should have had this podcast before we started writing math. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it hasn't been all that bad, Kat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, we've we've asked some of, of the other guests as well about advice that they would give to writers who are just unsure about if they have any talent or uh, if anybody would even want to see what they write. So. What do you tell people that, you know, have an interest, but they're just afraid to take that next step? Well, play, playwriting makes it easier to get the feedback from uh, the audience. And you find out um, uh, what's working and what's not working. But at the same time, you have to write for yourselves. And uh, uh, there's a, um, I come from <clears throat> a publishing background in the, you know, addressing actually freelance writers, uh, primarily novelists and, and uh, nonfiction writers. Uh, but uh, there's something that I believe Isaac Asimov said. Um, to him, because they've, yeah. Well, no, that's a different <laughs> story. There's, there's just nothing worse than every time I pick up a book, he'll walk by and look and say, oh, I've met that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but he has said, um, don't rewrite anything unless you believe in the rewrite or if someone is going to pay you money to do the rewrite. Mm. <laughs> well, and on a much, much lower level, go join a playwriting workshop. Those people will savage you if your work <laughs> is garbage, but they'll also tell you how to make it better. You, I mean, we, we've tried a few and, and finally found a, a workshop that, that we really enjoy because we get such good feedback, it inspires us to go back and add something or, or do a rewrite. It, what they say just rings true. And the feedback is, is, actually has impact. Um, it, it's the, the situation that I just described where you go, yeah, you're right. And uh, so we've had uh, probably at least three plays workshop where um, we're making either major rewrites or um, we're changing the pacing or, or something uh, based on um, 
comments again uh, from um, people you trust and trust uh, that they're going to, number one, tell you exactly what uh, is working or not working. And, um, uh, and then the, the other thought that is in my head somewhere. Well, and you also hear them give feedback on other people's plays that you just heard read. And it's pretty clear pretty quickly who knows their stuff and right. who's, who's giving good uh, constructive feedback. Uh, and also, I mean, at this point, we've had, what, seven plays accepted to one festival or another or won a contest or or at least... Uh, hit, hit finalists or, yeah. So we figure at this point, we, we mostly figured it out. Uh, it's fine-tuning that we, we like to have help with. Or like our, our play that we thought was going to be savage because it hasn't gotten anywhere yet. And I'm much more confident about sending it out now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, the two major characters were drunk. So it's uh -huh. a different ethos from some of the other stuff, most of the other stuff. <laughs> anyway. So, Bill, if you had to identify the one thing that Lisa does better than you, uh, what would it be? Boy, are they trying to cause trouble. <laughs> <laughs> they must have just had a fight. <laughs> No, we don't argue. Once again, we don't. We really don't. <laughs> we're, we're pretty much on an even plane in terms of uh, what we think is funny and, and what works and, and such. So we don't have that. But a major difference is um, Lisa's attention to cohesion and detail. Uh, she's much better at that. Um, a lot of what she's doing this doesn't actually lead into that. Right. So why, why are we doing that? Or uh, wait, we left this character out in the cold somewhere. <laughs> He's yeah. still in the tree. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I would think a pharmacy background would lend itself to that kind of, you know, attention to detail. I would think that'd be very important. Um, well, that's a good point. That's that's true, and follow-through is, is a big thing as well. Right. But, you know, for, I mean, I also have a, a, a similar affinity for language, even though I don't have a degree in anything like he does. Um, I, I, I think it's important to, to say what you mean to say by using the right words. And right. we really enjoy that out of each other. It's like, oh, look what words you use here. <laughs> 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 <So great. laughs> you use the word Emily. <laughs> really nerdy, but so <laughs> Uh, I wanted to ask you about something. I saw it, something that one of you posted about uh, Shawnee Playhouse in Pennsylvania. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I, I lived in that area for like 12 years, so I've been there a few times, and uh, it's a pretty great place. Um, we, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about what you're, how you got involved with them or what you were doing with them? We had a wonderful experience with them. Yeah, we started out just, uh, submitting, we decided to sit, send three different plays to them. Just for whatever their contest was. Mm -hmm. uh, it, which was a, a general sort of con contest, which allowed us to uh, have different sorts of plays there. And uh, those crazy people decided to do a Zoom reading of every play that was submitted, and they <laughs> had close to 100. Wow. Wow. 
And weirdly, we were near it at the very beginning of the process, like day number three, uh, three, four, and five or something. They did our stuff, and very shortly thereafter, Bill volunteered to help. They always need more male readers. There's never enough men. Right. So, so a closer tie to the <clears throat> the plays that, that that I was reading, I I consider myself to be very good. Uh, he said. Um, humbly, so here's the script take it away not not as good as uh, uh, some of the people we've we've had read for us I'm, I'm definitely not as bad as some of the people <laughs> actors <laughs> <laughs> so we got involved with them um, he spent three months reading with them so we had wow. that much time every day. We'd get what four, four short plays so. or two or yeah. three full lengths. So we had all kinds of material to read, and then he got to participate in the Zoom readings for those, and they're still online. We yeah. we were very happy with two of our three readings, and every now and then I'll catch him going back and and listening to the recording and just laughing like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I just I just wanted to ask you about that because I thought you know small world kind yeah, of thing. They were terrific. Yeah. They were just terrific. It was it was a huge undertaking to go to that much trouble rather than just handing these plays out to readers to actually hear them all read. Right. Yeah. yeah that's amazing. Really. Yeah. Uh, to her, certainly to Mitch Maplutsky's credit, my goodness, she did a lot of work on that. Yeah. And to the credit of the uh, Shawnee Playhouse. Um, what they were doing was adapting uh, their process for evaluating these plays, generally in person uh, with cast members uh, on the stage. Well, you can't do that right. uh, with, with uh, especially in the COVID. Yeah. Uh, what they, they were doing was adjusting to that. And uh, it really evolved too from the beginning to the end. It was, it became much more streamlined and, Sure. So yeah. the lesson there is, yeah, you can look at this as being a, a, an obstacle we don't want to have. But on the other hand, um, we are creative people. Everybody in theater um, aspires to that to a, a good level of creativity, and that involves uh, adjusting and and making what you is available to you work. Right. right. Learn to use the tools that you've been given within the restrictions you're stuck with. Right. And there's a lot left to go on that because we still hear some really bad Zoom productions, including on television. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, we, we participated in a couple of those reunion, this, that, and the other um, fundraisers over the last month or two that the Democratic Party in where? Uh, Wisconsin. Wisconsin well, probably Wisconsin. Um the 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 uh, table read of the Princess Bride and um, they were really most enjoyable but my God they were a mess <laughs> even with access to professional sound studios and cutting and editing it was a mess mm. so you know so I, I guess we're I guess we're doing better than we think we are you know as as a, um, a profession a theatrical profession. Um, we are adjusting, and like you, like you said, we have further to go, but 
it's that sort of adjustment that we saw take place at Shawnee Playhouse that um, I bent over backwards to make it happen. Um, she had a lot of volunteers saying, "Man, this is a this is a cool thing you're doing. How can we help?" And I, you know, I think that is the, one of the great things about the arts and artists is that, um, you know, it all, they always seem to offer hope, and, and um, no matter what kind of tragedy is going on, it, there's always going to be something artistic that comes out of it that brings hope. Um, you know, whether it's therapeutic writing or um, it's just writing to cope to get through that period of time. Um, you know, I think some of these things are going to actually um, change theater so that it never goes back to exactly how it was. I think some of these things are, are really uh, this technical aspect of the you know, this online virtual Zoom kind of productions. I mean, there, there's some really interesting skill sets um, that you don't get to see uh, that I think will stay. And then, you know, the other part of theater will continue and grow. But I, I don't think we'll ever lose this completely now that we have had it for so many months. I think you're right. But one of the pluses to it, at least in at Shawnee and also at our monthly playwriting workshop, is we have access to different, we have access to actors that we never would have without this. Um, Midge knew some, some really fine actors that would drop in occasionally and help her with the, the table reads. Um, some of these folks in our monthly workshop know professional actors. We had we had one in, in our reading this past month who calls in from New York when he's not doing anything and helps him with the read. And, oh, my goodness, he was terrific. There's one from California that drops in every now and then for the workshop and, and wow. reads some plays. So just having an opportunity to have a professional reading a part in your play is, is an awesome access that you would never have otherwise. If it wasn't for COVID, these people would all be sitting in Florida uh, in somebody's basement having their meeting, and none of us would be there. Right. Right. Well, it's been a year for sure, um, a year of change and a lot of a lot of uncertainty, but um, certainly this podcast episode has been quite enjoyable to me. I've, uh, I've wanted to hear from both of you. Uh, because your writing and your posts have intrigued me since I, I first um, come to know that you wrote together. And um, so I've wanted to know more of your story. And, and I really uh, appreciate that you've come to share it with us. I, I've, I've enjoyed it a lot. It was nice meeting you guys. It was fun. Yeah. Uh, we appreciate you coming by. I'm humble. <laughs> 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 you would never do that. <laughs> uh yeah so uh we you know we thank you for coming on the podcast and uh sharing your insights with us and uh you know it's, thank it's you for the invitation yeah. and good luck in your future episodes oh thank you um if people want to get in touch with you what would be a good way to do that we're pretty easy to find on Facebook. I don't think there's anybody else on the planet with the same name he has. Okay. <laughs> me, me, you'll never find. There's hundreds. Of them. <laughs> <laughs> pretty unique. All right, so we we will uh, uh, point people in the direction to find you if uh, 
Big so cheers. I have another suggestion. <laughs> if, if, uh, if you uh, encounter somebody that uh, would benefit from, from us, you can, um, if they're not Facebook happy, uh, you, you guys can, can introduce us, and we'll take it from there. Well, and we do have a shared email that we use specifically for this, and it's just brohall and holt, uh, A-N-D holt, at gmail.com. Okay, we'll uh, yeah, post that. that no that. hyphens, just all, all yeah. one word. <laughs> all right. Okay. Perfect. All right. Well, um, Go ahead, Kat. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's, uh, hopefully we – we don't get to talk to uh, playwrights very often at all, and um, so it's always enjoyable to get to to do that. And I, I hope that we get to do more of these episodes. You know, where our subject matter changes every week. So we're this is probably this is the first time we've been able to talk to writers. I think that's true. Um, I think yeah. So, um, but but uh, in that vein, if um, if we can help you guys uh, accomplish something. Let us know. Yeah, we're happy to publicize your podcast, not necessarily because anybody wants to hear us. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate that. <laughs> Nor us. It doesn't stop us. Give us a call sometime. We'll all do a Zoom lunch. All right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have our people call you your people. <laughs> That's right. We all have people. <laughs> you like God, you want? <laughs> you know, and then, yeah, mispronouncing all the names <laughs> and then we get to Lisa Holt and everybody can say that one so um, <laughs> it's so boring but you know when I was a kid everybody pronounced it Liza so at, really? least, they, at least that's going I know isn't that weird Wow, like it even looks like that but whatever it's a simple one well, I've been called lots of things over the years so you have too many. You have too many syllables. That's I, your problem. I do. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's not even though just because of his name, like he's been. That's right. We, we did get some feedback once, and somebody called me a drunken asshole. So. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, they they went to the website and the the comment. I mean, they you know they they did a lot to like get that comment. Yeah, they, they wanted to make sure Kat saw that. <laughs> You got to give them some credit for persistence there. <laughs> and follow through. Yeah, you know, well. I would take that as a badge of honor. <laughs> I do. I do. Because it, it was actually an, an ex-girlfriend from like 100 years ago. <laughs> yeah, so you know there's a backstory there someplace. Yeah, so. well, you know. <laughs> I bet you can drag it out of him sooner or later. I've been trying. <laughs> I'll just write my own. That's what I do when I can't figure it out. <laughs> All right. So, as always, if you have any concerns, questions, comments, and especially criticisms, you can write to Cat at Cat. Uh, help me out. Plays. All right. I I write plays at Outlook.com. Or if you have any good things to say, you can write to me at. Backstory sessions at gmail.com or matt at level11ventures.com. And we thank you for listening and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks thank you very much. much. Thank you very much. <laughs>